Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors. I get to lead alongside of my wife, Lee. We're glad that you're here, whether you're in person or you're engaging online with us. We've been in the series called The Way of Jesus. We use series as a way to kind of compartmentalize or collect series of ideas or thoughts around a a specific theme, or in this case, a specific book of the Bible. There are four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And and so we want to actually work through Luke together, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. One of the things that we are doing with this series that is different is you actually have a journal that you can download on the website and work through it every single day. Because we don't want it just to be an experience where you come to church and once a week you engage with what maybe God is saying. We want you to actually figure out what does it look like through my week to engage with God. I wanna pray for us and then I would love for us to dig in. God, I pray that in these moments that you would be the one that speaks. God, I'm grateful that you go before, that you know where each one of us are at. You see each of us that are in this room or who are engaging online and you know us and you know what our week has been like and you know what our day has been like. And God, you wanna meet with us. And I pray that you would help still all the noise and your still small voice would be the voice that we hear. God, we invite you to move in this place. We ask you We need you. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in high school, uh, I've always been a little strange, and I have some friends that are strange, and so when I was in high school, we would do strange things. One year, I think we were in grade 11, we decided we would take up horticulture. We were determined we were going to grow some plants at the school. Now, part of that was we had this physics class, and the classroom was attached to the school greenhouse. Now, I don't know how many schools have greenhouses, but ours did. And so we'd be sitting in physics class looking at this greenhouse thinking we could use it. Like it was underutilized, and we had this thought, we should be using this greenhouse. And so two friends and I, we went, we're going to plant some, we're going to grow some plants and they went, we're going to grow sunflowers because they're just, they're nice and they kind of move to the sun. And I was like, screw that. I want something I can eat. So for some reason, I planted radishes. I was like, I'm going to grow radishes. And if you know me at all, you know that I'm not a halfway kind of person. I'm like all in. So I didn't just plant like five radishes. I planted like 200 radishes. I had these like pallets of radishes that I had planted, and I was pumped. Now the problem is, physics class, if you're in here and physics is natural to you, amazing, but for most of us normal folk, it isn't. And so while I was supposed to pay attention to physics class, 
I would be going like, I wonder what's happening with those radishes. <laughs> Are they sprouting now? I would go in there and at the end of it, and I felt like vindication because my friends, that they planted sunflowers. They all died from aphids, but my radishes. I had hundreds of radishes, no joke. And so then I was like, what am I gonna do with all these stupid radishes? Like I'm gonna eat them. I think I maybe ate like 50. I don't even think I ate 50. And I was like, well... <laughs> But I had, this, I had these moments as I'm growing these radishes in this greenhouse that I'm thinking, I'm really good at this. I'm like really good at growing things. Look at me. I am pretty much an expert. But I failed to realize and recall that the greenhouse is like an artificial environment. Like while things were growing in the greenhouse, there was, no, there was no rain, there was no snow, there was no effect by the world around. It was protected. And then the greenhouse would take the sun and amplify it and make it even more productive. The greenhouse was a false reality. And so I thought I was really good at growing something in a false reality until I went to grow something actually in the ground. Jesus is speaking about a section, he's talking about a farmer who does just that, a farmer who is scattering seed, planting, but he has to contend with an environment. He doesn't have the privilege of being in physics class with a greenhouse where he can put things in and everything just grows as long as you keep the aphids away. This farmer actually has to contend with the real world. The farmer actually has to navigate things that are difficult. Jesus does something. He's a master storyteller. And he speaks in what's called parables. He uses stories to talk to people and to declare a truth or speak to something that's deeper than surface level. And what parables do is they cause you to lean in, to listen, to ask questions, and in some cases, Jesus used parables so that people would be completely confused. Like they listen and they're like, I have no clue what he's talking about. Do you know? Mm-mm. Let's not say anything. Okay, that sounds good. He would use parables in this way that engaged people. So it wasn't just about telling a story. It was about drawing people in. And so in Luke 8, verse 4, we find Jesus doing this beautifully. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And his disciples, the, the guys that spent the most time with him, that understood him the best, you know what their response was? What? Like, nice story, but Huh? Like, they're confused. They're completely confused. And like I said, there are times that Jesus will say things that are confusing, and people will express confusion, and he'll go, and he'll just drop the mic and walk away. Luckily for us and for his disciples, this is not what Jesus does. 
He lets us know precisely what he means. He's speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to us 2,000 years later. And he says in verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. Now, anytime Jesus is about to describe the meaning of whatever he's saying, we should pay attention to it. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. We, we call this series the, the Way of Jesus, and I want us to look at the words of Jesus and have it inform the way of Jesus, the way that we live. It's intentional that we look at the way of Jesus. It's not just about more stuff that we do, a checklist that we have, a list of moral imperatives. This is a completely different way of life. And so Jesus is using these words to inform us of a new way of living. I, I want to look at this passage from two different perspectives. The perspectives are us and them. Us and them. Not us versus them, but us and them. I, I want us to first look inward, to take some time to reflect on us, and then I want to move us outward, thinking about those that are around us. So Jesus is saying, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. So Jesus is telling the story about a farmer who is scattering seeds, but he's reminding us that the seed isn't just seed. It's not just about him doing something, a menial task, that the seed actually represents God's word that goes out, the message of Jesus that goes out to people. And this, this section takes on significance for us. What it represents and means for those of us who are Jesus followers is massive. The implications are significant. And Jesus is explaining to us that in this paradigm that there are four responses that we can have. Four responses that we can have to the message of Jesus. And I picked four words that represent the response that we can have. Theft, surface, immaturity, and producing. So I want to look at each of those. Theft, surface, immaturity, and producing. So I want to start with theft. Theft can be one of the responses of this scattering of the message of Jesus. Verse 12 says, the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seed that fell on the footpath. For the second summer in a row, Lee and I were determined to grow grass. Like it's like a classic dad move that I was really focused on. I was, I'm gonna grow this grass. I'm gonna grow the grass in the backyard. But we have some things that fight against us. One is that we have like 400 foot tall walnut trees. Now, 
look beautiful, great for shade, not so great when you're trying to get sun to the grass you're trying to grow. And then to add insult to injury, we learned this, apparently walnut trees make the, the soil super acidic and hard to grow anything. And we're like, great. And then Lee found out how much each one could, we could charge someone to, to take, someone would buy it for, and she's like, let's cut them all down. I'm like, okay, slow down, slow down. And so we had this section in our backyard that, that has been really difficult for us to grow grass. And so I, we, we, we tilled it nicely, we got it all ready, and then we went out there and we scattered the grass seed, and we were really excited, but we forgot a couple of things. We had factored into the, it, we had factored the walnut trees in, so we got this special kind of seed that was, that was hardier and better, but we forgot that we have a couple of things. We have two toddlers and a dog. Now, if you know anything about toddlers and dogs, if you say don't go to a, a certain place, first the toddlers don't listen, second the dog generally doesn't understand English. <laughs> and so we'd go out there and what would inevitably happen? Our dog, before she goes to the bathroom, does sprints. Like she, she sprints back and forth and like on a dime, she's quite nimble. And so where's she doing sprints? Right on the spot of trying to grow grass. I'm like, you don't walk there. We come out, our kids covered in mud like they do. Where do you think they got the, the dirt from? The spot that we don't want them to be in, right? And you're so irritated because we understand that grass can't grow where people are walking all over it. Like you look at that and go, man, this makes complete sense to me. And so this farmer who scatters seed on his field, some lands on the footpath. Some lands on a place where people are walking around. But it's not just about a farmer who's not so good with his aim. Like it's not like he's just like, what? And throwing it all over the place and it just lands all over. This actually speaks to something different. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have, and here's the key, the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. This isn't just about careless scattering. This is about a thief that comes to steal. There are people that can hear about Jesus, but before it amounts to anything, can experience theft. In another account, in the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about this. He talks about the enemy that we have, the thief that we have. In John 10.10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That this can be a reality, that someone can hear about Jesus and the enemy, the thief can come and steal all of that away. And any of the work that's been done, he can completely destroy. Now, this is true in our own lives, even as Christians. Like there's places in our lives where, where Satan will rob us of things. He'll take things from us and we feel like, okay, this is taking root. And then there are areas in our life that it's like our life is like a footpath and the seeds are unable to actually take root. And it's not just a passive thing where you're like, well, that's unfortunate. It's also an active thing where we have an enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy any sense of healthy growth in our 
lives. An enemy that does not want this message to go out. So one of the responses to the message of Jesus, the scattering of the message of Jesus can be theft. The second is it can be surface. In verse 13, it says, The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to look at other people and tell their faith is surface level? It's easy. It gets super judgmental. We're like, we're like, I can see that you have a real surface level faith, but me, deep. I'm a deep well. It's so easy for us to look at other people and not actually identify areas in our own life that you go, man, I, I'm like, I'm pretty surface level here. Like, I'm, I'm struggling with roots in this. Like, I, I, I kinda, I'm kind of leaning into this place of surface level. All of us have areas where it can be surface. For some people, that's just where it lives. We can hear the message of Jesus, and it can be amazing and powerful and move us, but because it doesn't go deep, when we face temptation, we just bail and we give up. We experience as Jesus followers, for those that are curious and those that are following, these moments of invitation. Do I want my way or his way? And that can be early and it can be small or it can be significant and massive and frequent. There are moments that we come face to face with the temptation. Do I want my way or his way? Do I want my way of living with him tacked on or do I actually want his way of living in every area of my life? And for some of us, it's small things that they derail us early and we face some sort of temptation to do what we want to do and find ourselves giving up. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's forgiveness, And the temptation to remain bitter and and self-involved and angry at everyone is too strong. The idea that you would forgive your enemies. Don't you understand who my enemies are? And you face the temptation and you go, I'd rather hold on to my bitterness and hurt. I'd rather take care of this. I will be vengeance. Maybe it's lust. I want to do whatever I want to do, and I don't care what anyone else says. And God says, you know, I actually have plans and purposes for you, and I actually designed you, and I look at you, and I have more for you. You go, yeah, but I want this, and I want it now, and I don't care. Faced with temptation. Maybe it's generosity. You're faced with the temptation of going, so listen, I know you say I'm supposed to be generous to the church or to people, but I don't want to do that. I kind of like my money. I want to keep it to myself. I want to buy stuff. I want to get things. Like, don't you understand? I I have my own needs. I'm struggling myself. I can't be generous, and we're faced with that temptation. Maybe it's service, and you go, uh, God's invitation is to not just make it about you, and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, maybe I'll do that, but for right now, it's all about me. The temptation, do I want his way or my way? And for people that have limited roots in their faith, it's so easy to go, man, his way, like, is costly. Like, it requires all of me. 
It stands in opposition to what's called cultural Christianity, where why do you show up to church? Because that's what you do. Why do you follow Jesus? Well, I don't really, but I show up for an hour on a Sunday. And in contrast to that, what we actually are invited to is costly Christianity, where we lay down our lives and we say, I'll give you all of me. And he goes, what about this? And you go, okay. And we begrudgingly go, I'm choosing your way. And every single time we do that, our, deep, our, our roots grow deeper and deeper and deeper. And all of us have areas in our life where we go, God, you can have all of me. And he goes, perfect. What about this? And you're like, not that. Not that. I'm not ready yet. And he goes, I want that before I can do all the other stuff. And so the invitation for us is, is to actually allow those roots to grow down deeper. It can be easy to settle for surface-level Christianity. It can be easy to settle into that rhythm, but the reality is, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you will face challenges. I mean, COVID, two years, lots of challenges, right? In your faith, you will face challenges. And if your faith is surface level, when you face those challenges, you will not have the resilience to get through it. You will just go, you know what? This is too hard, and you give up. And that's a travesty. That is heartbreaking for us. Surface can be one of the responses. Theft, surface, immaturity. In verse 14, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. The seed and the message is crowded out. That's a visual for me, crowded out. There's no more room, there's no more margin, completely crowded out of our lives. Why? By the cares, riches, and pleasures. There's another translation, and I think it's valuable for us as we're engaging with Scripture to look at different translations and to go, oh, that's a really interesting way of communicating, or that's, that's different, that shows me something. One of the other translations that I read said that the message is choked by life's worries. Oh, man, there are times that I find the message of Jesus choked by my worries, by my life's worries, all the things I'm thinking about. What about this? What about that? How's this gonna work out? What's gonna happen here? And I'm so worried. And what ends up happening is I, I just, all the joy and all of the good things that God is doing is completely choked out by life's worries. Speaks to the idea that all of us have so many internal voices and external voices and they just get loud. And we're told that that God's voice is like a, a whisper, still, small voice. This is in contrast to the, the screaming, all the people that are trying to yell for your attention, and, and God is just whispering, I'm here, come close, trust me. And all the other things, well, what about this? How's this gonna work out? You can't do that. Don't you want all these other things that become so loud and those worries scream in our ears and the message of Jesus gets crowded out. The Eugene Peterson who wrote the, the message says it like this, that these are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives. Worrying about tomorrow, making money, and having fun. 
Just going, not even like, I'm just gonna do my own thing, worry about tomorrow, make money, have fun. I don't, I don't really wanna give my whole life to Jesus. I kinda wanna do my own thing. That's like going into a pool and thinking you're swimming because you have one foot. One foot's in the pool and you're like, man, I am immersed. This is so good. And you're like, you know, if you dove in the pool, you'd experience a level of joy that you're not used to. And you're like, no, this is fine. This is what many of us are doing in in Christianity. And we wonder why it lacks something because we're just, we're dipping our toes in going, well, Jesus, kind of sometimes. And the invitation is fully immersed to go, I wanna give you all of me. I don't wanna let all the other stuff crowd my life out. I want you, all of you, in all of me. God, I'm surrendering every area of my life. We've seen this in people that respond, that give their life to Jesus, and then they face challenges or they face life getting in the way, and it's so easy for them to go, yeah, to just give up and bail on faith, to let that seed and whatever growth is there to die, to leave it to die, and instead to try to do something else and live their own life. The challenge is that we've used the language of apprenticeship. It's not just about saying, I'm a Christian. It's about us saying, I want to be an apprentice to Jesus. I want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he did. I want to have my life shaped and transformed by him. It's not enough for me to use words. I want my life to indicate what I believe in. I want to give my life to him. And in this moment, people become, it becomes difficult because they go, I want to do my own thing. And some of that, that's not how it works. All in. You're not a part-time apprentice to Jesus. You're a full-time apprentice to Jesus in every area of your life. It has been hard through COVID to watch what's happened for some people in their faith. It's been hard for Lee and I to watch people that we care about and find their faith exposed by all the things that happen around them and going, their faith was not as deep as we thought. And it can be so easy in our arrogance and pride as Christians to go, I would never do that and look at them and compare ourselves. I honestly, we just found ourselves heartbroken. Like there was no part of us that was like, oh, see, serves them right. If they just read their Bible more, then they'd be good. Like we looked at that and went, they missed it. And the part that, that we look at, the implication is there's generations after those people. And as they walk away from faith, there are kids and grandkids and future that don't actually get to experience the beautiful message, the redemptive message of Jesus. And there is a part of going, if they just spend more time with him, if they prayed, if they read the Bible, yes, but also they decided, I want to live my life compartmentalized. I don't want to give it all. I want to be my own master and sometimes do what Jesus asked me to do. That is not how this works. And all of us have areas of tension in our lives. All of us have places where you go, oh, I feel the struggle and the pull, and I just, I kind of want to do this, but I know I shouldn't. That's a normal part. But we need to grow as Christians to continually increase our ability to go, but your will be done. 
That doesn't start and you just go, I'm just always going to do the right thing, but we need to strengthen ourselves and go, I need you to strengthen me, God. I need to follow you. Those three responses to the scattering of the seed, the message of Jesus, theft, surface, and immaturity. And the last one is producing. Verse 15, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So notice this, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. This is the invitation for us, those of us that would call ourselves Jesus followers, those of us that have given our life to Jesus, that are ongoing surrendering to Jesus, that we need to hear God's word. That's here on a Sunday morning online, but it's also as you're reading your Bible through the week. Like we need to actually engage with God's word. We need to hear God's word. But I've also been around people that hear lots of God's word and miss out some things. So it's not just hearing God's word. We actually see here, we don't just hear, we cling to it. We don't just let it go in our ears and out and go, that was it. We cling to God's word. Our kids are six, and then Parker turns four in a couple of days. Ava is six, and Parker is almost four. And, and when we're in a place that they're nervous, and they cling to us, they use every bit of their strength to get in close. They're white-knuckling. Like, you know, if you're a parent, you know what it's like when you feel someone clinging to you. Like everything that they have, and they're four and six, they don't have a ton of strength, but they use everything they have. This is the picture for us. That we cling to God and we go, I have nothing left. I barely have any strength, but I'm clinging with everything I have to you and your truth and your way. I need you. I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm clinging to you. I might even be clinging with a pinky because that's all I have, but I'm clinging to you. And Jesus says, as we cling to God's word, something happens. Our lives patiently produce. Patiently produce. I hate that. I'm not so good with the patient. I'm like, I want my life to produce something quickly. But we actually see patient production. There's Eugene Peterson talks about long obedience in the same direction. That's countercultural to where we see around, where we want microwave and quick, patient production as we cling to him and cling to his word. And as we patiently produce, the outcome is a huge harvest, a huge harvest. And so we're sitting there going, all I have in me is clinging to you. And in that, God begins to use it and strengthen us and cause our roots to go down deeper. And suddenly, over time, and sometimes as we don't even notice it, he begins to produce something through us that we could have never done on our own. And we see a huge harvest. There are four responses to the message of Jesus. Theft, surface, immaturity, and producing. Now, I said that we were going to do us and them. We spent a healthy chunk of time on us. 
on thinking about us, on looking at us. And I, I know that with some of this, the temptation for some of us is we can use it not just as a diagnostic tool for us, but for others. And sometimes that can be helpful if we're trying to figure out where people are at, but where it isn't helpful is when we use it to rank ourselves. Oh, I see you're just a really immature Christian operating on the surface level. Not me. I'm over here patiently producing. And you're like, okay, you missed the point. I do want us to identify that there are responses to this message. I want us to think about it in our own life, but I also want to reframe it. I want us to recognize that as the message of Jesus goes out, that not everyone is going to respond the same way. That not everyone is going to respond with this massive harvest going, thank you so much for bringing this message to me. This is what I've been waiting for. And we look at their lives afterwards that this is different. But we as collective and as followers of Jesus, as apprentices of Jesus, we are called to be producers. And that's not production. That's not like, well, we just put on a show and watch Jesus. We are called to be people that our lives produce fruit that we produce a harvest, that is us. We need to be the people that cling to him and patiently produce. And all of us have areas in our lives where we recognize that the seed has fallen a little differently. Some of us, we go, man, my heart is just so ready for what Jesus is saying. And some of us go, I feel like my heart is hard and cracked and chapped, and I just, I don't know that I have anything in me for us to actually evaluate what's the, the soil of our life like. And then as Christians to go, okay, Holy Spirit, change me. I need you. And again, white knuckle cling and go, I need you. Move in me. I need you to change me. Soften my heart and make me more like you. But it can't just be about us. It's us and then them. We are called to be seed scatterers. See, what's interesting about this story is it's the, the parable of the, sower, of the sower, but it's actually a parable of the seed. And we hear about the farmer who scatters the seed, but he's nameless. I, I want to remind you, those of you that would call yourselves Jesus followers, that you represent the one who experienced the seed the one who grew as the seed, and then you become the one who gets to scatter the seed. You get to be the one that actually gets to do something with the seed that you've been giving. And the problem is, for those of us as Christians, sometimes what we do is we get the seed and we just marvel at it. Oh, look at that seed. Huh. And then, and then maybe we do like the whole, um, we have like a room with lots of Christian stuff. And so we put it on the, on the shelf and we go, look how much seed I have. That's right. I'm the one. We marvel at the seed. We, and, and we should. We should look at the message of Jesus as the most precious thing that we have. But it is not precious because we hide it somewhere. See, when it comes to the seed, the power is not in its storage. The power is in its scattering. The significance of the seed is not how we store it nicely as Christians and go, look at us. The significance is when we are actually willing to grab a handful and begin to scatter it. See, all of us 
have the opportunity to tell people about Jesus and what he's done for us and look for moments where we can scatter that seed. And when we do that, we become like the farmer scattering the seed. But I want to remind us that there's a different response, that four different responses as we scatter seed, that there can be theft where the enemy takes the seed away before it can amount to anything. There can be surface level. There can be immaturity or producing. See, we're, as, as seed scatterers, some of our seed will be stolen. Some of it will fall and be stolen and we'll wonder, I thought I put some there and how come it's gone? Some of our seed that we scatter will not go deep. It'll just kind of linger on the surface and we'll wonder how, how come it didn't quite take. Some of our seed will remain immature, but some of our seed, some of our seed will produce a huge harvest. Some of what we do as we tell people about Jesus will amount to a hundred, a thousand, a hundred thousand times more than we thought of or imagined. This is kingdom multiplication. God takes small little things that we think are insignificant, but we scatter and we use for his glory, and he takes them to multiply and multiply and multiply and do abundantly more than we might ask for or imagine. Some people will hear the message of Jesus and their life will be completely changed. Now, I want to, before I, I really lean into the object lesson, I want to speak to my control freaks, okay? The people that are like, um, I want to be able to control the outcome. You can't. Jesus tells us we have four different options that you might do everything perfectly and it still might not take root. You could do everything possible and everything, all the scenario, you're, you're going, I, I've, I've planned and I've, I've purposed and everything is perfect and, and recognize that Jesus is reminding us that some seed will fall, some seed will not take root and some seed will. Now, you know what it looks like for those of us, whether we're, whether we're control freaks or not, um, this is what it looks like for us. We go, okay, okay. Tyler said we need to scatter the seed. I read the Bible. It says scattering the seed. So we're like, I've got my seed. I've got to find the perfect spot. Okay, okay. I'm going I'm to make sure. Do I have all the right answers? No? Okay. Get on the internet. I need to learn the right answers. What if they say this? Then I'll say this back. What if they say that? Then I'll say this back. And we prepare ourselves. And we go, I just need to have the perfect conversation. Have you ever had a conversation that goes exactly the way you plan it? No. Because you're talking to another human being. But you're like, no, no, no. Perfect. So, do you know about Jesus? And we're like, and so what we end up doing is we just spend all our time preparing. So we're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, that's not great. Let's just, I'm gonna, nah, nah, nah. And then you're like, you're like, oh. <sighs> I did it! And that's it. And we live in this place where you go, I scattered my seed. But what a scattering seed actually looks like. It looks like actually scattering seed. It looks like every single place that you go, putting seed all over the place. It means actually scattering our lives, poured out. It's not about one little thing and we go, well, that was a nice spot. It's about us scattering our seed. It's about us telling everyone we are around about Jesus. See, either Jesus has changed everything in our life or he hasn't. But if he has... 
If he has, we should go everywhere telling everyone about him. I am not suggesting that you go around and be obnoxious. If you don't follow Jesus, you are condemned to hell, you heathen. Do not use that method. I am suggesting that every single time that you talk to anyone, you have an invitation and an opportunity to enter into the conversation behind the conversation. See, for people, the Holy Spirit is already working long before we get there. And so we're looking at it going, oh, I'm so afraid. Chase your fears. I'm so afraid. And we scatter our seed. And what we don't understand is that, that the Holy Spirit has been cultivating it and fertilizing it and preparing it. And that ground is ready. There, when we, before we started Collective, we uh, did a really good job doing this. And I think it's been hard, honestly, through COVID. Because when we first came, we would tell everyone about Collective. Like we'd be in coffee shops and we'd be talking to strangers and we'd be like... So, uh, how's it going? They're like, good, good. And I would, this was always my move. So, you from London? And it, whatever the answer was, they'd go, so what about you? And i go, well, kind of. We actually lived in Calgary for a few years. We moved back. Really? How come? Well, we moved back to start a church. Now, sometimes the person would go like this. Oh. Now, I say sometimes, I would say 65% of the time. Sometimes they would go, really? Now, you'd get certain things where you're like, well, you don't really look like a church person. I go, thanks, I guess. And, but sometimes it would amount to something. Like one, we went to this place, and I was hoping he'd be here. But we went to Life of Leisure. And one of the guys that was working there, we started talking all about church and Jesus and Two and a half years later, he's part of Collective and a, a significant part of this church because of that conversation where we scattered seed. Because of that time. But listen, if you think that you're going to scatter seed and every single thing is going to land and you're going to go, look at me, I'm so special, I have a green thumb, I am, it's not like that. It is inevitably going to feel awkward. Have you ever done something for the first time? It's awkward. The first few times that you just go, God, use me. I'll say what you want me to say. Give me an open door. And then God does. And then you're like, and they're like, yeah, totally. And then as you do it more and you just talk and you're just sharing. Listen, I'm not asking you to go to strangers and debate theology. I'm asking you to just answer the question in your own heart and for others. How has Jesus changed me? How has he actually changed my life? Why do I give my life to him? Why does he matter to actually reflect on that? And then invite other people and scatter seed and just tell them, tell them what Jesus has done in your life. The power of the seed is not if we store it and look at it and treasure it. The power of the seed is when we scatter it. So we all recognize each of us has different soils in our life for God's seed. But at a certain point, if we are the Christians that are patiently producing a huge harvest, we need to get out of our own little bubbles and start to scatter seed. Lee and I moved across the country with no guarantee and like six people uh, with collective because we were compelled. I, I am not, a, I've become more of a stats guy, but I was not a stats guy, and I was reading in London about 
how 30% of the population lives by themselves and 30% of the population doesn't know Jesus. It would just say, I have no religious affiliation. The number is even higher of people that aren't Christians. And so you go, okay, so over 100,000 people live by themselves and over 100,000 people don't know the one who made them. And I was like, I hate that. Like I sat in my basement and, and cried over that stat because they represent people. Because I know people in London that don't yet know Jesus. How can we know that and not be so willing to scatter wherever and go, you know what, God, if it doesn't work and I am embarrassed, it doesn't matter because I'll do it for your sake. I'll do it for one. As Christians, we cannot be content living in our own little bubble where we go, I just, I'll figure it out by myself, do my own thing. It's COVID. I'm just... We have to be burdened for those that are around us that desperately need Jesus. God is not waiting to send someone perfect who has all the perfect answers and the right script. He's waiting for you to say yes, to bring your flaws, to bring your imperfections, and watch what he does. There are so many times when I look at my past and history that it was not the eloquent moments, it was not the times I was prepared that someone was experiencing something from Jesus. It was when my humanity was laid bare and he could work. It was not when I went, well, you know, in Romans, the theme is, it was none of that. It was people going, why does this hurt so much? What is the purpose for this? Why am I experiencing this? Why am I hurting? Why is it so painful? Is there more? Like, oh, let me tell you what I've experienced in Jesus. This is what it looks like for us to be people that scatter the seed, to embrace the fear and embrace the risk together, to talk to each other and go, so I tried talking to someone, to the neighbor about uh, Jesus, and like it got super awkward. I've had that experience. My neighbor found out I was a Christian and was like, oh. And then you know what I did? I was like, I'm gonna win you over. <laughs> so like going, and I'm like, now we have a fairly good relationship. It's not gonna be perfect. It's going to be awkward. That's okay. Embrace the awkward together. So we can look at each other and go, man, you, you trying this? Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, totally. But then when one happens, like we've, we've experienced that. When one person came, comes to faith that we're going, this is worth all of it. It's worth all the inconvenience, all the discomfort, all the stresses. Like I don't care about me. I don't care what I look like and how impressive I am to other people if my life is not poured out at his feet to what he asked me to do. And that scares the crap out of me, and it should. It should scare all of us, and yet we should be going, but, but nothing else matters. This is what it looks like. So if you're in the room and you go, I I've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you're engaging online, and you go, I've never actually done it. Let me scatter the seed for you and let you know. Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine, and your imperfection creates distance between you and a perfect God. And so God saw that and he sent his son who lived a perfect life, paid the price for you that you could never pay to restore the relationship that was broken. 
And when you surrender your life and give all of it to him and say, I want to follow your way in every area, you become a son and a daughter and your relationship is restored with him. If that's you and you've never made that decision, you've never taken the first step, I wanna encourage you. Fill out a Connect card. Come talk to someone at Next Steps. Talk to a prayer team. Fill out a Connect card online. Click the button. Let us know. But for all the rest of us, whether we've been a Christian for a long period of time or this is new to us, get your seed and start scattering. Go this week and start scattering. Maybe all you have in you is, I'm gonna scatter like three seeds this week. And that's a good start. And then next week, a little bit more and a little bit more. Do not let your seed sit on the shelf. The power of the seed is not in its storage, it's in its scattering. That's why every single Sunday, I challenge and send and commission each of us to go and be the church. The significance is not just us together going, my precious seed. The significance is when we go and scatter for the sake of others. I want us to respond in worship. But if you're in here and you go, I need prayer like I am struggling, I need, I need someone to pray over me. We'll have a prayer team at the back that would love to pray with you and for you. I wanna encourage you to boldly ask God, even as we worship God, what are you asking me to do? What would it look like to scatter that seed? What are you trying to do in my midst? Let's be a people that actually invite God to move powerfully through our imperfections. Would you stand up and let's pray. God, I am so grateful that you have called us to be seed scatters. God, forgive us, forgive me for the times that I've put my seed on the shelf and looked at it and, and valued it beyond the ability to actually produce life in others. God, forgive me for the places where my heart is hard and shallow God, guard each of us from the places in our lives where the enemy tries to steal from us. For those of us that have immaturity in any area, God, we need you. Help us to be people that cling to you. God, and as we cling to you and your word, would you patiently produce something that is beyond what we could imagine? Jesus, you say in the story about a hundred times, the, the harvest was a hundred times. God, we pray for that that we go and we scatter and we see people come to faith and as a result of that, people come to faith and children coming to faith and families changed and destinies completely radically altered because of you, because of a bunch of ordinary people that were okay with risking scattering the sea. God, we need you. We want you. Help us to be your church. God, we exist to make it all about your being. We exist to make it all about people seeing your son, Jesus. Let that be us. Let us be a church that is known for that. We love you so much. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you Sunday.